together and there's something that's kind of exciting about construction going on isn't it now forgive the dust we're really sorry we did our best that we could do with that but we're here together as a family and we're here together because you know it's been such a long time that we have been trying to find the goodness of God in our lives and every time we step out in new ways he is with us and so that is good so construction cement floors cool stuff going on you'll see what's happening so christine our friend christine thomas would you read for us our call to worship out of john chapter 5 verses 1 through 9 and let's read along with chris 
Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked.
family? How you all this morning? Some of you might say, I'm here, right? I'm sh- I showed up, I'm present and accounted for. Others of you are like, I'm awesome. Others of you are saying, I want to get next to the people who are awesome and let it rub off on me, right? And that is the beauty of worshiping together. And so we are here in God's presence. And when we're here in God's presence, we see the scripture from John chapter 5, anything can happen. Like people who are sick for 38 years can get healed in the presence of God. And I I just want to say, let that happen today for whoever is needing God to do something for them. I'm praying that whether it's been 38 years or a fresh need to see God, that today would be a day for you. Yeah? Amen? Are y'all in agreement? That's a good idea, isn't it? And so what we know is that when we come together to pray, that we are not speaking into the air, but we're, we're praying to the God who loves us and who God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So wherever you are today, you are not forsaken. Love the new song, I am a child of God. Right? And if we woke up every day and just put our feet on the floor and said it, I am a child of God, we might go into the day acting like a child of God, right? Like God's with me. God loves me. God cares for me. When I think about the people that are in this room, I know that somebody prayed for you. So maybe you could get them in your head for just a minute. People that have prayed for you. And you don't even know some of the people that pray for you. Because sometimes when I'm in Walmart, I'll see somebody and just start praying for them. Who else has that experience? Right? So there are people being prayed for. And you're being prayed for. Because God has a way of getting God's work done in the world. So many years ago, before we put down the first carpet, um, we, we prayed in this room. And now you are on the brand new floor. So just go ahead, feel it. This is, this is it. This is you are on the floor before we actually are moving into a new part of this church um, life and history. And one of the scriptures that uh, we were given by someone who prays for our church is from Haggai 2.9. The latter glory will be greater than the former. Hello. Amen. So I was thinking about you, Jeff, while you were singing that song, and I thought, how many years has Jeff been singing every praise? And then you can't even get him to stop singing it. Like every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise. Is the song going to end? Every praise. And, and I love that. There's a history of praising God in this room. There's a history of healing in this room. There's a history of salvation in this room, right? Anybody a part of that history, right? You are. And so we're so grateful. And so today we've got some friends who are passing out markers to you. They're just going to come by, give you a marker. Everybody should have one in their hand. And this is going to be a fun service because at any time you want to write a prayer on the cement, it can be during the message, it can be during a song, it can be at any time. There's somebody in your heart you want to pray for, you can put their initials. If they're sitting right next to you and you don't want them to know, you know, use a little symbol, right? You, 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 you know that God knows, right, who's in your heart. 
And you all are carrying people in your heart today. Everybody does. Everybody carries somebody in their heart. And when we come together in the presence of God, we're like that wonderful scripture in John by the pool in Bethesda. Like who could we write down that needs a touch from God today? Who could we pray for that when this carpet goes down, their names will remain until the next time we rip it up, right? And their names will remain. And maybe there's a scripture that God has given you to stand on for that person. And you could write that down. Just allow yourself to be a part of the history of somebody's healed future. Participate in the miracles that God wants to do. I mean, I I just, that makes me so happy. I remember when my... um, my Sarah was four and she was praying for her uncle Johnny who uh, had an addiction issue and she prayed for him every night before she went to bed oh Jesus heal my uncle Johnny and I gotta tell you Johnny's been clean for over 30 years now and loving God and walking with God and you know and that so there's miracles on the way my friends and sometimes it's like 38 years and and sometimes it's only 38 seconds But today, let's pray together. We're going to take a moment in silence. And we're going to let God help us remember someone who needs prayer today. Lord, I have no idea who was praying for the man that was by the pool who had been sick for 38 years, but somehow you showed up in that place on that day and that man was cured. And so this morning as we pray, we're going to write names, we may write scriptures, and we're going to do that trusting the God who loves us and says, you're a child of God. Whether you've awakened to that reality yet or not, you are. You are a child of God. And so if you'd like to come to communion or pray at a light board, we hope you all will let God love you in this space today. And God, I do pray that even as Jesus faced the most triumphant hour of his life, but had to go through the darkest hour of his life, he prayed. So Lord, will you teach us to pray today in just a word or a phrase with a name or a scripture? Will you teach us to pray, whether we come to communion tables and receive the hope of bread and wine or light a candle and say, let your light come? Will you help us pray today and trust that you love us as your very own? We offer all these prayers up to you, God, to the God who hears.
in the darkest place of his desperate heart they are a light of strong Sometimes I call out your name Looking to find you I look for your face When seeking you there By my son's Lord Lift me to Lift me up to Lord of eternity, Father of mercy, look on my face, so Touch me and make me cold. If you are my defender is against me No one can trouble or harm me in my mind All I ask All I desire is to live in your house Father of mercy, look on my face, so keeper of all the stars, friend of the poorest heart, touch me and
write your prayers if you'd like, but let's stand and worship and lift up our hearts. come for us individually and for this church are so wonderful because we're doing them with you, God. And so, God, we're learning to trust in you. 
And we thank you and we love you and we put our hope in you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me. Oh, it's now for me. Oh, it's now for me. Sing this chorus together. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free. together and let's read the scripture as we go we'll go back into that chorus again and sing that out loud that we are who he says we are but let's read this let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up so god we give into this offering with thankful hearts for all that you're doing for the things that you're doing new in this building and carpet and new things for kids and in our region and our world and so we give with grateful and thankful hearts in jesus name we pray amen and so you can come and bring your offering to these front baskets or the ones in the back and we're going to sing the chorus who the sun sets free is free indeed and you can sing that along with us says we are. No matter what other names have been put on you, you are loved, 
and you are wonderful in the eyes of God. That's a good thing. Well, as we continue to greet, let's get ready to have our kids go on upstairs to see our kids' time. So if you have a child that's in pre-K, that's three, four, or five years old, all the way through fifth grade, why don't you guys stand up, parents and grandparents and teachers and everybody there, stand up, and you guys will go on up the stairs, out through the door, kindergarten through fifth, we'll start your morning in the cafe, and our pre-K friends will start their morning in the barn room. So have an awesome time, kids, as we uh, continue to move on. So Pastor Scott was telling us the name of the service this week as we continue to greet. And he said that the title is going to be, It's Been Such a Long Time. And as, as soon as he said that, uh, this was the first thing that came to mind. And, and uh, we know this is first service, so we're going to be careful with the volume. One. Sunday morning, we gotta find a church to go to. It should be easy. There are a bunch when we were driving. Seems there. like there was one on every block. It can't be that hard, right? They're everywhere. Babe, put your seatbelt on. We're still in the parking lot. Well, you know I worry. Okay. Okay, here's one up here. Listen, Church, church of, Jesus of Jesus Christ. Christ? That's us. Of we're Latter day Saints. Yeah. Okay, no. Can't do that. Okay, here we go, right here. Oh, I love the funny church signs. What's that say? What is it? Uh choose the bread of life or your toast. No. Oh. I'm gluten free, I can't go there. Okay. Is that Echo Church? I don't, uh, the churches with the nightclub names, I don't love those. Plus, we're a new creation, and we both came out of that lifestyle. Yes. Praise them, raise them. Okay, what about that one, United Pentecostal Church? Okay, well, you're not getting in there. You're wearing pants, so for sure, no. Oh, I forgot my long denim skirt. You're right. Plus, you're wearing too much makeup. What? No, for the denomination. They got a thing about women and makeup I and stuff. I don't think they do. No, you look great. I'm just saying it's not just for, to the, for there. Yeah. You should stop talking. Oh, is that Iglesia de Cristo? Really? With the accent? Let's not do this. I've been using Rosetta Stone. You don't speak Spanish. We're not going to a Spanish-speaking church. I kind of speak Spanish. You don't. 
Well, I like traditional. I like okay. neutrals. Got it. Yep. I don't want something too progressive. Sure. I don't like steeples, but I also don't like strip malls. Okay, so like something in the middle. Okay, potential church? Nah, maybe next year. Okay. You didn't get the joke. It's not funny. Okay. All right, here we go. Barnabas Anglican Church. Anglican? Can we oh, do that? and it looks like they have a female pastor. Uh, really? No, I'm just saying I'd rather not. Do you want to sleep on the couch tonight? I'm, babe, this is way harder than I thought, honestly. I know. We're in a city. There's got to be an Andy Stanley Satellite Church somewhere. I mean, right? If not, there's probably one coming soon. I'm sure they've already got a building fund. Wow. <laughs> okay, Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, is that a black church? What? I'm just saying you wouldn't last in there. All the dancing and moving. Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle. You can't even clap on rhythm at the white church. Okay. okay. I watched the Potter's House, first of all. Second of all, I love T.D. Jakes and I follow his daughter on Instagram. Okay. Oh, what about Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses? I don't know how it works there with visitors. Can we just walk in or do we have to knock first? That was dumb. Come on, that's hilarious. Cathedral of St. Peter? I don't know. Is that is that Catholic? I don't know. How can you tell? I don't know. With the Catholic Church, you always need to look for the keywords. Saint, perpetual, sacred heart, anything Guadalupe related, if we're not in Mexico, for me is a no-go. But what about like a mega church? I don't want like a mega church. I'm out on any church that has like cops directing okay, two traffic. two hands on the wheel. Please. It has cops directing traffic. I'm out. It's going to take forever to get to lunch. Okay, you're right. All right, here we go. Look, New Hope Church of God. We can do that, right? Church of God. Is that the one with the new instruments? I think, uh, is that Church of Christ? Oh, no, it's Church of Christ. I grew up Church of Christ. We couldn't even wear tank tops. No, thanks. Okay, good. Great voices, though. Great acapella. I'd still rather not. Oh, Jericho's House of Praise. What, are we just going to drive around it seven times? Maybe then we'll decide. What? It's a joke. I don't get it. Well, read your Bible. Okay, what about this tabernacle? Okay, as a general rule, tabernacles, cathedrals, temples, synagogues are all out. At least a synagogue would have a yarmulke to put on that hair. Okay. Oh, here we go. Is that Hillsong? Thank you. Lead me to the cross. <laughs> this is perfect. Let's go. Oh, babe, we're on vacation. I didn't bring my skinny jeans. We can't go to Hillsong. Yeah, but those have holes in them. They look fine. What? No. I definitely can't wear that Tommy Hilfiger shirt. What do you have on underneath that? I wear it to the office. No. I don't know, like a V-neck or oh, something Oh, yeah. Like just wear the V-neck and put these on. These glasses? They didn't have lenses Trust in them. Trust me. Why? Yeah, you look like Carl Lentz. What? Okay. Okay, you know what? Not going here. Well, he's an attractive <laughs> man. We're going to brunch. <laughs> How many of you can relate to that? If you're a guest here today, we welcome you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, As Don said, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about, uh, it's been such a long time, we're continuing in our Lent series, uh, which uh, is the period of time, uh, the 40-day period of time leading up to Good Friday, Jesus going to the cross, and then we celebrate the resurrection. On Easter Sunday, we've been doing this series, Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus, Walking in the Footsteps, and we've been looking at different pieces, different stories in Jesus' life, different accounts that happen. Uh, Obviously, we can't cover everything in 40 days on those Sundays, but um, it's been a good journey so far. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a pretty pivotal pivotal story in the life of Christ that John recounts. And um, I think it so relates, as even as we read the scripture, uh, it's it's one of those... uh, places in Scripture where there's such a very real account of Jesus doing something profound in the life of a person, but it so directly relates to us and to our story and to what's going on, I'm sure, in all of our lives in one way or another. So John uh, chapter 5, starting with verse 1, says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Jews. 
Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Some versions say just five covered porches. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Everyone say 38 years. That's a long time to be in that condition. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So what would happen is once a year, um, the tradition and the thought was is that angels would stir these pools and first one in the pool would get healed. So that's what the, this gentleman is referring to when he tells Jesus, I'm not getting into the pool in time because nobody is helping me or somebody gets in in front of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which he took pl- that took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away from the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may occur to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. H.G. Wells uh, said this on his 65th birthday. He said, I am 65 and I am lonely and I have never found peace. The truth about our lives is if we're not careful, we can go a very long time and not be well. We can go, this gentleman went 38 years We can live with things. We can develop, uh, even as Christ followers, we can develop uh, kind of uh, uh, just dealing with things not being okay and just saying this is the status quo and that's how my life is going to be. This guy's been sick for 38 years. The backdrop here is interesting because it talks about the sheep gate in the scripture. So what you have is around the pools of Bethesda are are commerce happening. On one side, you've got all of these invalids. You've got blind people and paralyzed people, and you've got uh, people that are not well. And of course, there are no hospitals at this time. There's no place for them to go. So on one side of this account, you see this. On the other side, you see all of this commerce. The Sheep Gate is a place of commerce. It's a place where animals, for instance, are bought and sold, and there's business going on, and there's prosperity happening, and there's kind of fullness of life happening on one side. And on the other side is this group that has been there for who knows how long, that spends who knows how much time uh, during the year at these pools just waiting for something to happen. It's kind of they're not, they're, they're still alive, they're not dead, uh, but they're not fully alive. 
And they're kind of in this place in between. For them to wake up in the morning is pretty much about as good as it gets. I'm going to live another day, but the hope for something to transform isn't there. It's around this situation that people, including us, can begin to form a mentality of, I will just live with this, and our expectation can begin to be thwarted. We begin to, uh, we begin to want to be better, perhaps, but not even have the faith to believe we can get well. It's into this that Jesus walks into this guy's life. And it's interesting because when he asks him if he wants to get well, we would all think that the immediate response would be, yes, I would like to get well. I would like you to heal me. Of course, he doesn't know the scripture tells us that he's Jesus. He doesn't know that there's a healer in his presence. But it's interesting that somebody offers healing And instead of receiving healing, he just seems to be content with making the best out of a bad situation, which is where we start this morning. Are we, as people, trying to just live, trying to make best out of a bad situation? Or can we be the kind of people that can believe for something that goes beyond what we would know in our own life as a bad situation? The scripture is really not just talking about our physical well-being is talking about every area of our life. The first thing that happens when, when we tend to try to make the best out of the bad situation, in other words, we don't say yes to I want to get well, we just seem to deal with what's not going well in our lives, <clears throat> is if we're not careful, we become comfortably numb. We just get comfortable in our lack comfortable in our brokenness. The scripture says, again, it says, there was one there that was an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. So he asked, do you want to get well? And then he goes into an explanation of not just saying yes, but then he starts to say why he isn't well. And what can happen to us is, first of all, What happens to some of us is we simply get comfortable in things not being well, things not being healthy or good. It's in this place we can get stuck in survival mode. Our expectation kind of goes out the window. It's interesting, again, that on one side of the the picture that John is painting here are all of these folks that are are, are crippled and broken and not well, blind. And on the other side is this picture of wellness in a way. Now, I believe in the power of exposure. So what happens to us when we get comfortable in things not being well is we, we need to be careful that we don't exp- continuously just expose ourselves perhaps to situations and other people that just keep us in our mode of being comfortable in our brokenness. You know, where we begin to settle, where down becomes comfortable or normal. You know, it's interesting, they say to continually enslave people, one of the things that you need to do, for instance, is don't let them read. 
Because reading becomes a gateway to being able to see something beyond what you recognize in your own life. You get exposed to something more. That's why one of the reasons why reading is so profoundly important for people that are in poverty or people that are stuck in in very difficult situations is because if you're always surrounded by poverty or you're always surrounded with this intense difficulty and that's all you see, you need to be exposed to something that can create a hope in you that there is a life beyond this thing that I see. But we tend to do that when we get comfortably numb in the things that aren't going well in our lives. We begin to surround ourselves perhaps with voices of people that just encourage our being comfortable in our invalidness. See, this is what's happening here is at this pool you have these porches. And in these porches there's groups of people that are broken And that's who they're talking with every day. And that's who they're surrounding themselves every day. And they begin to get comfortable in it. To the point where uh, they and we perhaps might even begin to decorate our porch. See, we all live in porches. We all have the potential. There was the blind porch, according to this scripture. There's the lame porch. There's the porch for the paralyzed. So the question for us is, what porch are we living on? If you want to know what porch you live on, check your cell phone. Because we surround ourselves with voices that keep us comfortable if we're not careful in the things that aren't going well in our life. Now, I'm not talking about... You shouldn't be connected to people that will encourage you, but I'm talking about those people that continuously bring you back to your brokenness, to your lack, to your need. There's the porch, perhaps, of unhealthy relationships. There's the porch, for some of us, that's the gossip porch, or the porch of angry women, or the porch of visionless men, or the porch of angry men, or the porch of visionless women. There's the porch of prejudice. There's the porch of the arrogant. And it's important for us to maybe examine, are we actually on a porch where we've surrounded ourselves with voices that keep us in this place? Or am I in a place where when I'm invited off of the porch into the pool for healing, or if I'm invited to stand up and walk, that I will walk away from that? And maybe today's the day to recognize I've surrounded myself with a system that encourages my dysfunction and my brokenness. It makes it simply more comfortable for me to stay in this place that I'm in. And in order for me to leave, I have got to get away from all of these voices that are supporting the porch that I'm living in. See, if we're not careful, we can become addicted to our affliction or our dysfunction. That's what this story starts out as, is there is a real comfortable place of even the man's brokenness. And Jesus is calling him away from that, and he calls us away from that. The second thing we see here in verse 7 are what happens in all of our lives. It's excuses. Excuses keep us from, at times, getting well. This is what the Scripture says. The, The guy says to Jesus, he says, Sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. 
Again, you'd think that he would simply say, yes, I want to be healed, but then he immediately goes to the excuses as to why the healing hasn't happened. And our favorite excuse for all of us is other people. There's no one to put me in the water. That's the first problem I've got, that it's other people that don't get me in the water. You'd think after 38 years, you'd at least try to kind of fall off the ledge at the right time, take a guess, take a shot at it. But the first thing, and he's no different than we might be if we get stuck in our spot of not being well and healed, is he goes to the excuse of other people. No one puts me in the water. And he moves it to the next level of other people. Someone steps in front of me. So it's other people don't help me, and then other people step in front of me and aren't paying attention to what I need. See, because it's always the problem of other people, isn't it? That's what I've found in my own life. I've got to check at times. It's like, how about you, Scott? What's going on in your life? Are you trying to uh, make the excuse of it's other people? Although I've got to admit, I've joked around at times with uh, friends of mine, you know, when they'll start to say something negatively or I'll say something negatively about something going on and what people can do. And uh, maybe you've even said this yourself. You know, if it weren't for people... There'd be no problem, but the problem is there are people, right? But the truth is, is the invitation here is to pay attention to us. Not to simply say, it's not my fault, but what can I do? And what can God expect out of me? See, I realize this, that no one can keep me or you from our destiny. There's no one that can do that except for perhaps ourself. I can blame other people from here until the cows come home, but the truth of the matter is, is God is with us, and God is able to do abundantly above what we could ask for or think. It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. This is really the core of the problem, one of the biggest problems in society, is the problem of excuse. The problem of not taking responsibility. See, I've had people say to me over the years, you know, Scott, you just don't understand my situation. I know that God is able to do a miracle in my life. I get that. I believe that. But you don't understand my situation. You don't, you don't get it. And the truth is, is I know anytime somebody says that to me, that I can't understand every detail of their situation. And it's impossible for any of us to live in the shoes of another person totally. But I know this. I know that Jesus is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that there is no weapon formed against any person that would prosper if they were paying attention and leading into God. I know that the scripture tells us that Jesus in John 10, or John in John 10, 10 says that Jesus calls us to an abundant life, a life that is full. Claire said it earlier that I know this, that I don't know every detail of your life and you don't know every detail of my life, but I understand this. And I did hear the scripture earlier that says the latter days of my life will be greater than the former if I can just believe that God can work in my life. And I know that God is the same God that said he can make all things new today when that was written and spoken forth. And tomorrow he'll be the same God that can make all things new no matter how impossible our situations might look. 
So how about for you? Maybe a good question to consider in this whole issue, in this whole thought of making excuses, is if you were to write the sentence out, and maybe you can even do this, if you were to write the sentence out, this sentence with a blank in it, what would you fill this blank in with? I believe God can blank, but this is why he can't do it for me. And is there anything that you would say you have filled that line in with? I believe God can blank, but this is why he can't or won't do it for me. And I think when we write that down, maybe we can realize that we need to begin to just say, you know what, God, I am unable. I am weak in this area. It could be about your career. It could be about your relational life. It could be about a family uh, struggle that's going on. It could be about money could be about physical needs you have, emotional things. The list is endless. But what is it possibly that we think God can't do for us? And why is it that we think that way? You and I are not an exception to the power of God. God has not looked out over the earth and said that he can do anything for anyone, that what is impossible for men and women is possible for him. He doesn't look out across humanity, and he doesn't look at your life and say, except this person. There's some things that seem impossible for this person. And listen, maybe you have done some really horrific things, or maybe the people that you want to believe for have done some really rough things. But God is able, God is powerfully able to do all things. It's interesting because this word here, infirmity, literally, more literally means weakness. Now, we know that this guy is an invalid because it's, it says specifically in the scripture, but the general term of infirmity that's used here is the word, the more proper word is weakness. So this guy, it just speaks to weakness. It's the same word that Paul uses later, for instance, when Paul says that, um, that Uh, He was given a weakness in the flesh. And he went to God three times and asked God to remove it from him. And then it's interesting what Paul says after this. He says, and I realize that when I am weak, because that the infirmity that he had, whatever it was, whatever Paul had, whatever that weakness was, he didn't get delivered from it. And then Paul makes this powerful statement. He says, I understand that when I am weak, It is in that that I am made strong. There are certain areas we just need to boast in our weaknesses, as Paul says, boast in the fact that we are unable and we have fallen short at times, but God is strong and able to fill in to those weak spaces in our life. Do you want to be made well? What weaknesses might you have? See, weakness to me, I've realized now that I've been going on this journey for a long time, the more I pay attention to the weaknesses in my life, these are merely the most fertile places in my life and your life for the entry point of God's power and presence. Paul would say it this way. He would say, should I sin so that grace would abound even more? May it never be. So I'm not trying to create weakness in my life so that God's presence can flood in, but I know this. I know that I I do have weaknesses, and we live with 
infirmities. We live with weaknesses in our lives and in this process. It's in identifying those weak places and saying, God, I'm not going to make an excuse for it. Just fill this place in my life. Do what I can't do for myself. And God can powerfully enter in. And the last thing we see is this issue of, that keeps this guy and keeps us at times from saying we want to be well is we're just okay with same old, same old. We're okay with the experience that we've had or we know. It's got to happen a certain way. It's religious in, in a way. Again, the scripture says, and Jesus said to him, get up and pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. It's not a coincidence that it talks about the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. It was, there was a process that this guy understood He understood well enough that he wasn't supposed to pick up his mat and walk on the Sabbath. But he was, that was the traditional way, just wait till tomorrow to get well. Then there's the tradition of of sitting by the side of the pool and at the right moment if you can be the first person. So what happens is there's this traditional experience that happens in his life and happens in ours and we're cutting off the opportunity for God to surprise us and for God to do something that is really unbelievable for us because of our experience. It's interesting, one of the things that's said is if you really followed the, the laws of the Sabbath to the T, for instance, um, you would not allow, be allowed to go into an elevator and push the button to go up in the elevator. It's too far. You would be violating the Sabbath rules according to these religious teachers. However, if you were trying to get to the 10th floor from the first, it would be okay to walk 10 floors. That's not work, but the button pushing is. Of course, that's not what God is after. What God is after is an openness in our lives to his activity in any situation. We need to step outside of our religious boundaries, perhaps. For some of us, it could be in order for us to be healed, maybe for the first time, we need to say there's those boundaries that if we pay attention, we've all established them in some level or another. It could be something as simple as you, you just, it could be in worship. It's like, I, I, I can't raise my hands. I just can't break that barrier. Perhaps you're invited into doing something as simple as that. Something like doing a life group for the first time. Maybe that is your picking up your mat and walking. Maybe it's having retreat in your life, making it a rhythm in your life. Perhaps it could be outside of just things that you would talk about and think of in church, just religious things that you do in your own life, rhythms that are basically boundaries. And you're afraid to go beyond those boundaries because there's this unknowing and you've set up traditions in your own life and what you've done without really realizing it as you have, you have set up this same old, same old We're expecting something new to happen. This was really new, what Jesus says to this guy. He intentionally goes to a pool that that has this tradition happening. He intentionally goes on the Sabbath. 
would he be willing to allow his boundaries of what he understands in his experience to be lifted in order for God to do something amazing? Could be communion for you. Maybe you thought, you know, that's just some religious thing that's never happened. Perhaps, perhaps in a communion exchange, maybe at the table might be the very place where God would speak to you through somebody or by some action that God would prophetically invite you into your healing and you continue to miss it because you've set up boundaries, religious boundaries in your life. You don't even think you're a religious person, but you just might be. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus says to this guy, pick up your mat and walk, it's easy to miss the fact that this is really offensive. You would almost not be able to get away with this in our culture. This is not politically correct. This is a man that's an invalid. And Jesus tells him, speaks to him and says, now we're going to do it this way. You pick up your mat. You pick up your mat and walk. Jesus makes the challenge so clear. And some would definitely say, if you paid attention to it, that this is a rude statement, but he challenges his dysfunction. And sometimes we so protect ourselves from the, from the clear voice of God that we miss getting out of the brokenness and dysfunction in our own lives. I would invite us all to allow God to say, pick up your mat and walk, whatever it is, whatever that weakness is in your life, whatever that place is. I believe that God is saying to all of us on this day, do you want to be made well or whole? Do you want to get up from that place? Then you get up. So this morning as we pray, there's a couple of things I want to do. First of all, as we head into Easter, I can't help but think of all of the people around us that we know need to be made well. They're people we love, people we are around all the time that we know we would love to see them be well. So we did the practice of writing uh, different things on the floor, and I want to take it to another step heading into Easter. I want you to perhaps grab a marker. If somebody is in that place in your life that you would say, I really want to see them get well, I would love to see them pick up their mat and walk. And I would invite all of us to just write their name after we pray or while we're praying, write their name on the floor. And then take the step of I'm going to invite them to church, maybe for Easter, perhaps on another Sunday, but Easter would be great. Be a great way for them to be encouraged. And then secondly, I want to ask that we would stand for a moment. And I want to ask you to do this. If you would say in your own life, I want to be made well. I know I've got weaknesses. I know even as I'm hearing this, I know there's excuses that occasionally happen in my life. I know I've set boundaries up in my life and perhaps God's inviting me to break beyond those things. I do know that there are times that I get comfortable in things not being well, I just, it's like I just rest in the fact I almost decorate this porch that I'm on. And today, 
you would say, I'm ready to get up and walk. And we're going to signify that by raising our hands. It's interesting. So right away when I say, and I want you to raise your hand, some of you immediately think, I'm not going to raise my hand. Maybe that's your religious boundary. I'm not going to respond. And perhaps God's asking you today, simply by doing something as, as easy as raising your hand, that God could do something profound. So as we pray, I just invite you, if that's you, if you would say, I want to be made well, to raise your hand. Just raise it up. And God knows exactly what you're, what you're raising your hand for. So, Father, all around this room, we're thinking of friends and people close to us that we love, that we see that they're not doing well, and they're laying by the side of the pool. We pray for them first. We pray as we write down their name that you'd give us the courage to be a go-between, an ambassador, to share your love with them. And now we pray for ourselves, God. As we raise our hand to you, we pray that you would break through. We do rise up and walk today. We walk away from simply being comfortable in the bad news sometimes that happens, the brokenness, the dysfunction of our lives. We raise our hand and get up and walk away from the excuses that so easily come in our life. And God, help us, forgive us for the times that we have blamed people, for the things that really aren't, it's not the issue. Today, we get up and walk. And Lord, we certainly, on this day, we refuse the same old, same old, those boundaries we've set up in our own life, whether it's religious, whether it's just tradition, whether it's things that we've almost thought of other people that do those things spiritually and we think oh, that's just ridiculous. God, we pray, help us, give us the strength, strengthen our legs, give us the courage to roll up our mats and get on with it. So we receive your love on this day. In Jesus' name. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears And you meet us in the morning With a love that casts out fear You are working in a waiting Sanctifying us when beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. All your plans are sealed and prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. You are wisdom. Ready, come. 
that they can trust in your faithfulness. And so God, I pray on this day that they would remember that whatever evil thinks is triumphing, you will work it for your good. So I bless my friends with that truth all week long. God bless you guys. See you next week. What the enemy means for evil.